I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Mitchell, Eric Jones, Austin Eckler, Chase Edmonds, Tony Pollard, Chris Carson. You can find running backs anywhere. That's the saying. Well, I'd say kind of. For all these late round, under the radar hits, I'd say there's a you know boatload of misses as well. So today, Hayden Winks, we go through the best of the rest to hopefully point the people in the right direction to find that one, the only late round gem in the 2022 NFL draft. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Uh, I will note, though, that the best of the rest might not even apply because I think some of the guys we did on our last video are our top five belong in this conversation. What we really should have done is spent 25 minutes of pop on Brees Hall and Kenneth Walker and then ripped like 15 (laughs) of these guys in five minutes. I think like the difference between like RB three and RB 14 in this class is like this wide. And I think we're all going to talk about like what role they're going to be playing. Cause I'm not sure how many three down backs we have uh, in this class, but I think we might have some plotters on first and second downs. I'm, pretty positive we're going to have at least some third down backs to talk about today before we go on we did make a separate video again on the quote-unquote top five running backs Brees Hall Kenneth Walker Isaiah Spiller Rashad White and Kyron Williams you might have heard that I listed Isaiah Spiller as the third back there Hayden some intel since we last spoke Uh, I would actually be shocked if he isn't outside of or if he is outside of the top three backs Uh, in fact he might be drafted among the top two backs in this class Isaiah Spiller yes so okay all right <laughs> so That's everyone needs to go and and watch that video that is down below on the channel to hear our thoughts on did we have a Isaiah dynasty Spiller. twitter guy uh, get a gm spot or what's going on because <laughs> all the film grinders seem to not like him so that's kind of surprising to me and we all know things can change but that was just some intel i picked up uh since then okay if you're new to these welcome we've done wide receivers as well about 12 to 14 of those names we'll go through highlights pros cons just commentary over watching these prospects play as well um these will be individual clips these longer shows we have a whole month of draft coverage to go along with it so if you are new here smash like smash subscribe because about 40 percent of you who watch these are not subscribed how dare you how dare you like us we like you join us along the way all right as is tradition and custom here hayden I'm going to pick a random name, and we're going to start off with Florida's Damian Pierce. 5'10", 218 pounds, average athleticism with no agility so far. Here's the weird part of his evaluation. Actually, there are a few, but the first one I'm going to talk about. He never had more than 106 carries in a season. 
Damian Pierce never played more than 23 snaps in any given game. Why? Why do you think that is? Because we put up some of these highlights and they're fun. Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of competition in Florida, and we kind of had some weirdness with Kadarius Tony in this same school, not getting that much playing time. Uh, they used some two running back sets, not that much, though, to make a difference. But to me, I have a late round three grade on him. I'm very Ooh. intrigued. I see James Robinson type of back, a guy with a little bit of power, just enough wiggle. The vision's good. I thought he can play on passing downs. Now he's not going to be the most explosive back. And this is one where I put him through my model, 17th percentile adjusted production because of the reasons you just said. He uh, came out as a 48th percentile prospect in my model. I'm taking my model, and I am dunking all over it. I said, to hell with my model. I'm moving him up. I thought his tape was good. He makes he makes so many defenders miss. I think uh, 0.39 forced tackles per carry miss, which is elite. Like, not good. No, elite. Um, and he's playing behind uh, PFF's number 121 run-blocking offensive line. So there's more uh, to his evaluation than just the numbers. 39 forced missed tackles on 100 attempts last season. Easy uh, enough. We talked about that with Javante Williams. We talked about with Kenneth Walker that, you know, creating space on your own, making people miss, going through contact really does translate to the NFL. Now, if I can answer my own question of what gives, why didn't he get more if he was productive in all of these and he obviously has an error that he wins, I think the coaches didn't trust him on the field. I think his vision is garbage. Um, he does not often hit the lanes or the holes that he's probably coached to do. Um, you know when I talk about during the season or preseason or whatever when we're talking about prospects, that the game slows down for this guy, that they anticipate – I think the game is at 2x speed here for Damian Pierce. Like he is all instinct. And oftentimes when you see him either work around the first defender or get to the second level or try to, you know, stretch out runs to the corner, he's not looking, you know, to the second level or the third level to like set up blocks or set up his runs. He's looking directly ahead. And I'm going to like make this one man miss directly in front of me. He's fun. He's electric. He can do all this flashy stuff, but I'm a little bit worried that like coaches at the college level didn't trust him. Maybe it can all work together and the game finally does slow down for him because if it does, oh boy, there's some talent in there for sure. Yeah, the reason why he's not looking for the second and third level because he's trying to run right through your face on the first level. I mean, this guy was coming right at you and it wasn't just power. I mean, he sheds a lot of tackles. He wins with a little bit of a side-to-side movement as well for one of these stockier backs. He has the type of... uh profile like size profile of a fantasy contributor so i think there's a little bit of a ceiling there now i i get it with the vision the one weird part about his game though is he, he is one of these backs that actually is good in pass protection like he is squaring guys up uh identifying the blitzes this was something that came out of um down in mobile alabama too that people were giving him positive notes on and i saw it on tape like he was definitely one of the better pass protecting backs so None of the profile makes sense. So, like, if he was a seventh <laughs> round pick, not surprised. If he climbs up the, the the boards after the draft and he ends up being somebody that we're kind of excited about in like the 18th round of best ball drafts, also not going to be surprised. You about. see, he's just like he, bumping into his offensive lineman. Like, yeah, you don't you don't see this type of stuff, but it makes he's a bowling ball. He's yeah, bouncing he's hard to around. tackle, man. And there are some other really fun moments. I went back to 2020 in the open field. He's like awaiting this defensive back on the edge. He'd flick his head into the inside like a complete. 90 degree turn and then did it again at the second level too. He would do that with dead legs and everything. 
He's just like trying to unload his entire toolkit. And then there was a game where his head came off in pass protection and he just kept going. And they asked him about it after the contest. And he's like, oh man, I'm just let my emotion go. Like I just run on instincts. That is the yeah. definition for him, the root of his game. Um, I could totally see him though being like team preseason because of all this, just like a better athlete, working harder, playing harder and creating on his own for everyone that he's up against. Because uh, again, there's just so much in highlight form and in 30 second or single play form, some really, really quality moments there. Um, I just don't know. Like we kind of did though, see something like this happen last year with Kane and Wangwu where very little production and opportunity in college. His was because of injury, but then a team takes him in round four and is like, Hey man, we'll, we'll bank on the traits and try to coach you through it. Maybe that happens here. Maybe this is another opportunity here for that. Yeah. Kenny didn't have that like fantasy upside. I didn't think because he was so small and like barely got any playing time. I think that Damien Pierce has a little bit better of a chance than that. He was PFF's number one uh, running back when it just comes to grade. And obviously small samples make that pretty interesting. Um, he's he's just the chaos back. Like well, I don't, and I would say probably with that grading, it's it's because they're missed tackles force. Like he is beating yeah. the one man in front of him. That's at good all to me. That's yeah, good. Yeah, to yeah. Me. it is. And even on final contact, like he'll get chopped down low. He'll do a one eighty in the air and try to stay up on one leg. He's a wild man in like the yeah. most fun way possible. Great interview too. Like hilarious calling out reporters and stuff. Go find some of his interviews if you got time. Yeah. And I think some of his teammates would like go in the weight room and it was like offensive and defensive lineman. And he's over there just squatting like 600 pounds and like, oh, oh yeah. man, I'm not even going to put that weight up there. So uh, he, he's definitely one to track. And I know a lot of people were impressed with him down at the senior bowl as well. It's a fun one to start with. None of these evaluations are going to be perfect. So like the traits, again, 39 force missed tackles on 100 attempts, just, you know, never more than 106 carries wrapping all this up. Crazy, crazy stuff. And I, I will add on top of that, while it can look so much fun, when it looks bad, it's because he's unbalanced and all over the place. But uh, let's just focus on the positives because he's a yeah. fun dude. Okay, we go from that, some wasted movement, wildness to Tyler Algier. Hopefully I'm pronouncing that correctly. 5'11", 224 pounds, a thick boy with 4'6 speed, above average athleticism for that weight. Um, and I correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think he's an older prospect despite coming out of BYU. We always need to note that. Over 1,600 yards on 275 rushing attempts, 23 touchdowns this past season, 28 receptions. He broke a lot of tackles. Common theme, 76, which equaled a lot of yards out of, or I should say, after contact as well, Hayden. Yeah, he's 22 years old, so he's not the 28-year-old BYU prospect, but he was also not an early declare. And I think like it's not just the age, it's the it's the early declare. And why we always talk about early declare is because prospects only come out as a junior if the NFL handed him a good grade and said, "Yeah, you're you you should be coming out." Tyler Algier had to kind of battle through that zero-star recruit. He did have 2 years of starting eligibility. Uh 4.2 yards after contact was was really good. He runs with a lot of power. Um, I didn't see that much contact balance from him. I think that he's ultimately going to be uh, kind of a backup plodding type of back. I, I have him at 42nd percent percentile adjusted spark athleticism, uh, 38th percentile three cone. He's kind of an interesting back because he's fluid enough as a as a receiver, despite being as big as he is. Um, and he was a good outside zone runner. It's just hard to evaluate because. Uh, their offensive line just kicks everyone ass uh, in this strength of schedule. So it's it's a little bit interesting. I didn't see enough athleticism or juice to get too excited. I think that 
on day three, sure, he can be your RB3 and maybe get some like goal line run. Yeah. You mentioned outside zone. I saw a lot of inside zone as well. Yeah. And going back to thinking of Zach Wilson and his evaluation, remember when we all hyped up BYU's offensive line because it was like throwing highways over and over and over again? Algier ran behind that, and then they were pretty damn good in 2021 as well. And that's, again, when he racked up all of his production. This is like saying someone is a nice guy, but I feel pretty comfortable believing Algier will be like productive if the opportunity presents itself in the NFL. That happens often through injury, right? With late rounders or undrafted free agents, if you're third or fourth in the depth chart, you're going to get an opportunity at some point in the NFL to like carry the load if one game or a stretch of games. But I guess my concern is if he has any specialness or really areas where he wins to claim that on his own, if not coming through injury, right? Like, again, he reads his blocks inside, outside, has these short little steps. He's getting hit behind the line of scrimmage there. I wouldn't say, like, he has awesome athleticism at all. In fact, if he's already getting hit like this and not being able to get people to the corner, that'll, you know, probably make it even worse when we get to the NFL level. Um, but again, there's not much wasted movement. He has broken tackles on his record. So calling him a nice guy, if he gets an opportunity at the NFL level, I bet he'll be productive in it. But just knowing when that's going to happen versus some of these other talents, I think is going to be the issue thinking about him and his projection. I'll have my scouting reports on underdog network. And in that I say that he is an early down backup capable of operating as a bell cow back in a pinch. I think that's kind of exactly what he'll be. Um, he should be drafted in 20 round best ball. I think just because he's probably going to be one or two ankle rolls away from being uh, in the lineup. I just don't see that much of a ceiling because of athleticism. It's that burst. Like he can, he can run over fall over for an extra yard or two. I think that he can read his blocks well, but it's just hard to see him creating much beyond that. Yeah, just wrote down what's his specialness. Where does he win? I there's some J.K. Dobbins aesthetically, like just how he runs. No, 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 no. But I think he's two steps slower than J.K. Dobbins, yeah. but sometimes thinks he's like two steps faster. If that analogy makes sense, um, it doesn't. He, but I, I love it still. He is not up to the talent level. As look, I'm just trying to, you know, book in my comparisons with what I'm trying to mean, so we don't get clipped out and they get a. Uh, thrown at us for for years and years and years to come he he's a, fine, a man. suitable he's fine. back he, he's fine he's fine i i do think his ranking among i don't know the top five six seven at running back in this class points to maybe the talent level in of, of this group of running backs right now i have him as my 10th running back there you go there you go i think that's totally fair all right before we move on some big names georgia's alabama's of the world Hayden, we have something called Rookies and Sophomores over an Underdog Fantasy. If you have like five to ten minutes waiting at the dentist's office, doing something else at the car wash, uh, go play Rookies and Sophomores. Hayden, it's just all first and second year players. All these rookies before they have landing spots. If you're watching this, if you're doing other draft evaluations for your NFL team out there, you're going to have a leg up here. Why don't we go through some of these running back prospects and um, see maybe where some values pop up for you. Yeah, well, I just think if you're watching this video right now and it's March 31st and it's uh, four weeks before the draft, you clearly think that you have an edge. Right. So might as well, you know, actually put your money where your mouth is and start drafting these guys. Like if you think that we're out of our minds on one of these prospects, go draft them. It's as simple as that. It's like $10 entry fee. There's a big prize pool um, and you can do drafts in about 10 minutes. So it, you're only drafting the the young guys. So I think for the dynasty people, uh, it's a fun game. Yeah, all we're saying, go try one. By the way, if you've never tried Underdog Fancy, App Store, 
on your phone. Fantastic. Great in desktop as well. Your first deposit, we match it up to $100. If you put in 15, we'll give you 15. And that gives you a few rookies and sophomores drafts. So try it once. I'm sure you'll love it as well. And go try the Superflex drafts along the way. Okay. So we talked about a player from Florida, a player from BYU. Let's now jump to, I don't know, the national champions who have Let's two go. running have backs out there. First, James Cook. Yes, Dalvin Cook's little brother. 113 carries, 27 receptions, a 4-4-2-40. He tested far better than Dalvin, again, with that 40-yard and some of his other, other athletic testing at 5'11", 199 pounds. What do you think when you watched him? Well, first off, we need to investigate this Dalvin Cook NFL combine. This dude is one of the most athletic backs in the class. And then like his combine numbers were all over the place. So I'm not buying any of that. Uh, he was 76 percentile broad jump, 44240. Um, I didn't think that he had much wiggle, but in a straight line, this dude absolutely crushes. He had 27 receptions as a senior and he didn't have a single drop on any of his catchable targets per sports info solutions. This is the um, explosive guy on third downs like this little Texas route up the field and he's gone. He was always in a committee with Georgia. Georgia yep. typically does that. So it's not a knock against him, but I think that his projection is third downs. Maybe if you're lucky, uh, you can get him on some early down work, but I think he's going to be closer in that uh, 150 touches range in the NFL. But this dude, you get him out in space and he has a little hole. He can really crush. It. He's one of the most explosive backs in the class, even if he doesn't have that much like open space wiggle. Yeah, just rewinding it to, to this play if you're watching it on YouTube. Um, it's funny. He he has those same linear movements as Dalvin, but the big plays are far less frequent to me, despite maybe being faster in a straight line, because he's worse on contact. And I think his vision isn't as rare as Dalvin's is. Like Dalvin, looking at him at the NFL level, he's the one who anticipates the angles and is able to blow them up and really veer and weave and really create spaces that few, few can throughout the league and James Cook is talented though. Like these big plays, it's really part of it. He had a 67 yarder against Alabama. And then early on in some of these, you're seeing him in these wide receiver snaps, either on these screens, these manufactured touches, but then you saw against Tennessee that he's out there running sluggos against linebackers. He actually did that. I think back in 2020 as well, an 82 yard touchdown on a vertical route. Number eight is still having nightmares about it in that crimson tie defense where he leaves them in the mud and down the field. I wonder, and this is such a niche role at the NFL level, if maybe that's how he can get on the field early on or like be drafted for that specific role early on. It's these angle routes. It's this sluggo. Nasty. Working as a receiving back, because a lot of these guys that we're talking about don't have this type of work or don't have this type of stuff already under their belt coming out of the college game. Yeah, he's not just the receiving back that's only going to catch passes in the flats. He can actually run a little bit of some routes out in space. Uh, they used uh, Pony personnel, which is two running backs, not, not a fullback and running back, two actual running backs. And he was in that Tony Pollard role. And that's kind of my comp form. Tony Pollard, a uh, faster Kenny Gainwell, one of those types where uh, if you're lucky, he has more of a ceiling beyond that. But I think that he's going to be kind of typecasted into this role. And that makes sense. He's 5'11", 195 pounds. You can't like let this guy cook for, for too long. So um, I have him as my RB5. I'm, I'm pretty positive he's going to have a role in the NFL. I don't know what that means exactly for fantasy, especially in half PPR, but I know he's talented enough to be uh, to have a role. What you got? Comment. Hey, Cliff, Steve Kime, let's let Rondell run some downfield routes and get James Cook in like the Rondell role from last year. 
you know, like graduate Rondale from that and get this guy in like the 1.6 a dot with the ball in his hands a little bit. That would be a nice, fun combination. By the way, I was watching James Cook and I just got frustrated because he has a shoulder harness too, man. Like the first game I put on, it's that little black sling on his right arm. I'm like, it just runs in the family. Yeah. Just 100% runs. The, he does get tripped up a bit too easily for me to be like the top tier backs that we are looking for with this much use and this much big playability. But man, he looks so comfortable in areas where a lot of other prospects don't look comfortable this early on. Um, okay. So we go from maybe if we can call it the lightning in the Georgia backfield over to the thunder in Zamir white six foot two fourteen. again, about a 15 pound weight differential between the two, maybe shockingly Hayden, a four, four a 10 foot eight broad jump, some really nice athletic testing from Zamir white coming out of Georgia. When I watched though, I saw very little big playability. In fact, just eight carries of 15 plus yards and 161 attempts this past season. Compare that to, you know, James Cook, who had 10 on 113. But with this athletic testing, with this size, do you think maybe there might be a little untapped potential that he might be able to reach maybe a, a larger workload at the NFL level? Well, I mean, he tore two ACLs uh, in his college career. So I, I, I don't want to bank on what he was doing in college too much because he has way more of a ceiling beyond that. I mean, he was the ninth overall high school recruit in his glass five-star. And I see some of that explosiveness. And I was not that surprised uh, when he ran a 4440 90th percentile broad jump at the combine because there was a couple times where you just turn on like that burst is like, oh, damn, he's really cooking. Now, he doesn't have that much wiggle. He only uh, had uh, 0.23 force missed tackles per carry, which is below average. He's more of a straight line runner right now, but he has that power, like that clip that we're showing there right there, where I think it's the burst and you're kind of betting on him uh, with a little bit of development kind of turning into somebody you can use in a, in a uh, high touch capacity. So I think that you have to start him out in the committee like he was at Georgia but I think that there is a little bit more to this game if everything kind of works out. He's just got to prove that his knee could handle a little bit more wiggle. Um, but I see a couple, a little bit of burst, like that play right there, a yeah, little yeah, bit yeah. of burst at the second level. Um, not everything was clicking for him. I think that he needs a lot of development because I think some of it is that that timing, that anticipation. And that's just because he didn't get the rock that much uh, in college, not just because of his own issues, but you tear your ACL twice and you have somebody like James Cook, you have the other backs that Georgia's had the last couple of years. It makes sense that he's kind of uh, needs a little bit of development here. Yeah, it's interesting. We watch a lot of these running back prospects and some are at their quickest in their first, second or third step. He's at his fastest when he finally strides out on like his fourth, fifth or sixth step. And I think, you know, he actually had some of his and sure he, you know, can break tackles and create space and went on contact early on, but I just hope he like creates that runway or is given that runway at the NFL level, because we're about to talk about another bigger back. I like the other bigger back better in tighter spaces and in shorter spaces. Um, but again, because of the talent where he was rated coming out of high school, the injuries that he's dealt with, Maybe the best is yet to come with Zamir White. And again, athletic testing to me at running back can be all over the board. I don't like to fail a guy like I do at uh, edge rusher, for example, if he's like below 50th percentile in terms of athletic testing, if he's below average. Because we've seen backs, there's so much that goes into it here. But for like late rounders, guys I want to take a, a chance on, the athletic testing means a lot to me, especially at this size. 
that's uh that's something I would want to work with for sure. Yeah, I see all the cons on his profile, and I I agree with most of them. There's a chance that he just like, all right, my knee feels better. I have a little bit more time to instead of doing rehab where I'm actually training for the running back position, all of a sudden he really starts popping. So he's he's probably the most boom bust prospect. And I think that's why I want to be a little probably. more aggressive for him and just hope that he kind of hits that boom potential because a lot, I think a lot of these other guys don't have the type of ceiling he has. He's actually like the the running back version of George Pickens, who's like the, basically the same circumstances, the same type of player, uh, a decent athlete, but you saw a lot of inconsistencies just because he wasn't on the field very much. Yeah, just 16 receptions in college. And I think part of that is some of the backs they've had in the past. And then obviously uh, finishing his college career with James Cook, who is probably his best attribute coming out of school. Okay, we go from Georgia to Alabama. The world only works in these ways. Brian Robinson Jr., the big man, six foot two, 225 pounds, four, five, three speed, fairly poor in the jumps. 79 force missed tackles this past season, third most in college football. But while it's great to make the first man miss Hayden, he only averaged 3.3 yards after contact. That's 74th among all backs in college football. I think that outlines his game pretty well. Like he just doesn't necessarily have the big play after creating that space, but the tidy footwork, the short steps for such a big man to make some space in those tight quarters, that is what's really intriguing to me. Yeah, so I wrote down that he doesn't have the contact balance, and that's why he wins with power and he falls forward for that extra yard, but that's why he's not, I don't think he's picking up that many yards after contact because he's not staying on his feet through it all. So um, I see a back that had good anticipation, good timing, presses the line of scrimmage. I thought he got all the uh, yards that were picked up for him. He was much more fluid as a pass catcher, 35 receptions last year than a lot of backs his size. I think that he's another one of those guys at Alabama where, yeah, he's older, redshirt senior, don't love any of that. But like he was behind Josh Jacobs, Damian Harris, Najee Harris, who were all drafting in the top 30 running backs in fantasy right now. So there's like some context with this. I think that he's ultimately going to be uh, more of a two down, early down player. But I think that in a pinch, if you need somebody to handle a three down workload for a game or two. I think that he is that type. He's a 57th percentile prospect in my model, 52nd percentile athleticism. Uh, I think he's fine. He's like your classic round four back, your depth back. But if you have to start him uh, in fantasy for a week because of injuries, I think that he's going to be able to handle that as well. My eyes are parking up as we're watching these. Uh, I think he's better than fine. I think he might end up being my third back in this class. I wouldn't um, rule it out for sure. It, the size and the footwork combo, again, it's not too flashy. And would I agree with some of the negatives that you threw out there? 100%. But, and we're going to show another clip here a little bit later on. By the way, his pass protection, like you see there, Awful. he needs a lot of work there. <laughs> I don't understand why it's like that. Why are you cut blocking? You're freaking 225 pounds, dude. I know. I was about to say 6'2", 225. And his anticipation is pretty, pretty abysmal in, uh, in pass protection. I think part of it might be he just lacks some, uh, he lacks some flexibility. And I know like yes. a lot of the runs that we we just showed uh, are, are him bouncing it to the outside. I'd say at 6'2", 225, it's pretty rare to find someone who like can take those little hop steps without overextending a bit too much at that size and at that weight. Like this play against Cincinnati, good stuff. Like again, patient, 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 sidestep, 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 get up the field, boom. That jump cut, 
you don't see that very often from someone like with you know increased penetration in the backfield at this size and that this weight. That's a nice little cut to meet an oncoming defender coming from the second level directly in the hole. You have no time to think about it. Hopefully you see it in your peripheral vision. It's a cut. And then we get out there. Um, there's a lot to work with, with here with me, Brian Robinson. And I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if like, maybe he's a fourth round pick or a fifth round pick, but just based on his size alone, he will never be typecast as just a, you know, quote unquote passing down back. Yeah, his best move is that cutback, and I think that's just getting the coaching at Alabama to to have a good feel for the game. I'm I would not be surprised if he stays in the NFL longer than anybody else we talk about uh, today. I think he's just pretty pro ready. Uh, I don't see like super high potential with him, but I think that he's going to last in the NFL for a long time. And I think he's I think he's one of the backs that we should be targeting, um, even though that he's an older prospect. Yep, I like that. I like that a lot. But man, coming out of Alabama, be consistent in your pass pro, my man. Like, yeah. you're big. Stay in front of the way, square your shoulders, pop a guy in the face. He's done a couple of times. Like, here's one here. But That's also a cut block. That's a cut block. He gets one on that block. one. I mean, my goodness. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm with you. And here he's going through, through the entire Ole Miss defense. So take some people to bring him down at times and uh, pull it all together. And there'll be something fun there. This is the one to me, like getting to the edge and stuff. Don't see that often. Okay. Yeah. My real quick, my rule, if Nick Saban thinks you're good, who am I to say that you're not good? So <laughs> I'm, I'm never going to talk too poorly about Alex. Yeah, there's guys. been a few and who knows how he really feels about like our Darius Stewart and a few other names, but, uh, our Darius, <laughs> most importantly, that's probably a fair statement to live by. Who are we to question Nick Saban? Okay. Um, that really does it for me of, I don't know, the five names that I would put at the top of this group. Now, it's like a little bit of a grab bag time. Uh, should we jump on over to Jerome Ford of Cincinnati? I know our buddy Nate Tice ranks him quite highly over his rankings on Bleacher Report. 5'10", 210 pounds, 4'4", 640. Um, I think that that speed in a straight line, once he finds some space, it's probably his best trait, Hayden. Yeah, I have no wasted movement, ball carrier, decision-making timing on par with NFL backs. That's the thing you're looking for. Find identifying blitzes. So I think that he's got a role in the NFL. Uh, he had a transfer out of Alabama to go to Cincinnati. He had lots of production once he got there. I just don't think that he had enough wiggle. He didn't have like like that big difference-making trait, not as fluid as other backs out in, in space. Um, but I think that he's probably not going to tilt an NFL coach off uh, the planet because of bad decisions and all that stuff. I think he's just going to be an average back, do what the coaches ask him to do and not create too much more than that. But no wasted movement ball here that's moving forward. That's got a little bit of a thicker frame to fall forward. I think that he's at least going to be on an NFL roster. Really worry about that balance. Like contact just gets him off center and off his base, like straight line up the middle runner where he hopes defenders slip off of him. Like the whole, his game is built off of like breaking through that first wave of defenders and then running in a straight line. I feel like we see those types every single year. Yeah. And like they are the replaceable ones. And he, you're going to find some good reps of him in pass pro, but to me, they all come after some really, really bad rep reps as well. Like 
he whiffed one-on-one. Then we had to fill for a losing offensive lineman. He just like stuck his shoulder in there and didn't square up. That was versus Indiana. He must have gotten crushed on the sideline afterwards because then two series later, he came back and just popped another dude right after that. Then after that one, he went back to losing, getting off balance and, and falling over. So the consistency in his entire game, not there for me. Yeah, I wrote he's fine identifying blitzers, but he had technique failures in pass protection. So, yeah, I'm right there with you. I think ultimately I gave him a round five grade. I didn't see that much with him. He's outside of my top 10 for now. Like if you pick him, like I'm not going to be moved either way. He seems like fine. He's probably going to have to play a little bit of special teams to to hang on. There's been a lot of buzz for South Dakota State's Pierre Strong, 5'11", 202. And the buzz is mainly oriented in that speed. Four, three, seven, forty. An outside zone streaker, Hayden. People have said it. The Raheem Mostert comparisons, if they haven't started, they are going to live on for years and years and years. But man, this guy, once he gets the front side and reads that zone, and if you have a lane to bounce it to the outside, oh boy, he's gone. A lot, a lot of big plays. 30 carries of 15 plus yards. That was tied for first overall in this entire draft class. Yeah, 43740 at 511207 ultimately comes out 86 percentile adjusted spark athleticism. I'm I'm with you. It's the outside zone, straight line athlete only though. He there was a lot of times like I mean this is against D2 prospects, open field one-on-one and just can't make the freaking guy miss. And nah, he's he not going to run it. over defenders. Like he literally is just I'm trying to outrun you and that's all I got for somebody that was as small as he was. I thought his elusiveness was was pretty bad. Now, there's a role for that. If you just have speed and you get him to the edge, a guy like Elijah Mitchell kind of has this too. I think Elijah Mitchell's better, has more elusiveness, all that type of feel. But that's like the upside case you're getting with Pierre Strong where it kind of comes out of nowhere and he can do one thing very well and right. makes a roster because of it. And I, I wouldn't call Eli Mitchell a tackle breaker per se, but I think he runs really hard. Like yeah. he runs to the spot that you want him to, and he's powerful in that. Um, I was shocked when checked out that Pierre Strong, you know, popped in with 202 pounds. Like he looks thin, he looks lean, and he gets folded on contact yeah. way too often. And there are big plays even more that he couldn't, you know, carry out because he couldn't make that first person miss. Like there were wide open spaces that just were inaccessible because of that. But you know, this is a type of running style that is being more and more and more approved of, you know, seeked out, sought out by NFL teams. Maybe he is like the replacement in San Francisco for Raheem Mostert. But let me like, again, remind people of Raheem Mostert's past. He had to go through the Philadelphia Eagles, Miami Dolphins, Baltimore Ravens, Cleveland Browns, New York Jets, Chicago Bears, before finally landing on the San Francisco 49ers. Like maybe because someone like that has succeeded, despite all of the great preseason, like team preseason games that Raheem Mostert had, it'll be easier for someone like Pierre Strong. But I don't want us to all think like, hey, this is a fast outside zone running back. He's Raheem Mostert because I think it's going to be more difficult to find that type. I just didn't see it. Like Raheem Mostert plays faster than Pierre Strong to me, and he's 23 years old. The other thing, like the biggest issue, you're playing at South Dakota State. I know that's like one of the best D2 schools, but he only handled 144 carries one time. That was his, his senior season at San Diego, or at uh, South Dakota State. Like you need to touch the ball 150 times, like before you're a senior, before like I talk you up. So 
round five, if he's a special teamer, like that's, I think he has to prove himself on special teams to make a roster. And then maybe he can be, come in for three carries a game and you just give him that home run ability. And maybe he goes from there. But yeah, I have him outside of my top 10. He did have a thousand yards in 2018, 2019, and 2021, including this past year, over 1,600 yards. Um, but it's because they can create those runways. In fact, there were times when like the front side was blocked off and he just like took two or three false steps and then fell over in the backfield. So yeah, it can happen in the right situation, but not all of us are you know, lucky enough to work behind Trent Williams and, and company along that San Francisco 49ers offensive line. Um, okay. One more name, a weird one that I suggest to Hayden, uh, Ty Chandler. And the reason I want to bring up the North Carolina Tar Heel is because last year, Hayden, Javante Williams, second round pick, great rookie season. Michael Carter, a round later, good rookie season. And at 5'11", 204 pounds, Ty Chandler, after four years at Tennessee, since his fifth year as a Tar Heel, and he's productive. He's productive. And then he goes and has like a 4 440 as well. So I ask you and leave the blank canvas for you. What is there not to like about Ty Chandler? Why isn't he being mentioned among the other productive backs in this class? He's 24 years old and not too often do you get uh, the Tennessee to North Carolina pipeline going to the NFL very often. Uh, so he is a good athlete, 79th percentile at the NFL combine and adjusted spark. The problem is when you adjust his production for how good the school is and how old he is, it comes down to six percentile. And according to my model, uh, I thought he runs too upright below average 0.26 force miss tackles per carry. Uh, last round I, i'm in he might be able to play passing downs but um I, I didn't i didn't see it with him when i flipped on the tape i only I only went through two games though so okay maybe there was this one really fun move against miami it was an inside handoff with a puller he stresses the outside which to me shows like an understanding of football as simple as that sounds to force a linebacker to commit to that outside block then smoothly cuts up field then they're like two miami hurricanes stacked on top of each other about two yards further downfield and then he makes both miss and stand like in the mud by another cut up the field um, as well with that outside step. Uh, I do want to talk about just age in general when it comes to prospects and NFL draft evaluations. Because, again, Ty Chandler will be 24 years old a few weeks after the NFL draft. And age, people factored in in a whole bunch of different ways. To me, and I'd love to hear yours, he was a 23-year-old beating up on a lot of 19 to 20 year olds. So for everyone listening or watching right now, think back to your time in college versus after college. Wasn't there just a ton of exponential growth between like your freshman and sophomore season versus when you're 23 or 24 and have graduated college, like not just physically, but mentally as well. So that the maturity that you gain again, physically and mentally going up against 19 18 year olds, when you are just that older age, it might not seem like a big difference just in terms of one to two to three years. But the more I do this, the more I realize that it is a pretty, pretty significant advantage for the older players. Yeah. And like we said at the early, it's the NFL told him not to come out last year. Like he was done with Tennessee. He graduated and he was debating going to the NFL and the NFL said, don't go back to school. And that's why he had to transfer. So age is massively important. I think the early declare is like the biggest thing. With it's not just like the like him beating up on younger players, it's just a sign that the NFL told them not to come out. Like we want the guys that was started early, 
the NFL said, please come out. And then he tested well at the combine. And then we ride off into the sunset. We're not getting a whole lot of that. And I think even if he hits, he's going to hit as a committee back just because he's so, he's so tiny on top of it. I have a name. Can I throw out a quick name? Yeah. We're going to have a sleepers show later in, in the month. Tyler Beatty, Batty. I don't even know how to pronounce his name. I was just going through my model and I was like, oh, there's an SEC back who caught 54 passes and I hadn't heard of him. No one's talked about him. I was like, that's kind of interesting. So I flipped on his tape and I thought he was uh, pretty in- interesting, but I was just like, okay, SEC, 54 receptions, also had like 18 rushing touchdowns. That's at least interesting to me. So we have to have another show because I just watched one of his games and he passes the eye test more so than some of these guys. Ooh, we like have that. to, we have to, we have to get another show about him. So maybe a sleeper show later on. Yeah, I need to go through all the best athletes at running back and, and wide receiver and see if something sticks. I love doing that with all the the positions as well. But guess what, Hayden? We have like two or three weeks. We're early weeks until the NFL draft. For once, we are uh, we are early. And by the way, if there are any names that you all think we should be hitting on, always leave them in the comments. Always. We read every single one. And so it's fun to hear who you think is running back three in this class or a wide receiver that we haven't talked about yet, like Alec Pierce or a few others. So, yeah, we're going to spend a whole show on the players that we didn't cover in these last four episodes. Um, Quickly, before we get out of here, rank the top two of the backs that we just discussed that you are most intrigued by. Because for me, it's Damian Pierce and Brian Robinson Jr., yeah, so I have Zamir White, James Cook, Damian Pierce, and Brian Robinson all late round three grades. Same thing with Rashad White. That's my RB3 to RB7. It just kind of depends on what you're looking for in offense. I think for fantasy upside, uh, I would say Brian Robinson, Rashad White, Zamir White probably have the easiest path to that three-down workload, and that's all I care about for fantasy for the most part. Like Unless you go to like the best rushing offense in the league, um, I need that three down workload, but if I was an NFL team, very serious, definitely into James cook, um, as a role player as well. So those are my, those are the top guys, the, the Tyler Algiers and I'll throw Isaiah Spiller in this, this list, Jerome Uh-oh. Ford. I just, I don't know. I just don't see enough pop. I'll tell you all this. I need to watch some more Isaiah Spiller based on that Intel that I talked about at the top of the show. So we're talking like second round for Isaiah Spiller still. We're talking maybe the running back two off the board. Jesus, is this guy be like, will the Texans love him? We'll find out. All right. We'll all find out together. Appreciate you all tuning in. Again, 40% of you who tune into these, you're not subscribed. You absolute losers. What are you doing? Yes, I'm bringing that back. We got to get those numbers up. We appreciate everyone, our friends who are subscribed and tune into all these episodes and share them with their friends as well. All right. Hayden, we've done it. Appreciate everyone. We will talk to you next week with the sequel, the first mock draft of the season. Oh, God. That's Tuesday's episode. Oh, we have some fun in store for all of you. For Hayden, I am Josh up the villa. Talk to y'all soon. See ya.